Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mr. Mark. Mr. Joe's across from me. Mr. Rob's on the other side of the glass. We'll have Mr. John Gordner calling in at 9.15 I believe this that's morning. Senator. Senator John Gordner. All right. Senator John Gordner, uh, 27th District, U.S. State Senator, and a majority whip in the Republican Party. So he'll be checking in. Uh, primarily, we asked him to elaborate on reaction from the state Senate to the governor's lifting of the mask mandate next year. Not now, but next year. So I think one of the other spokeswomen for the state Senate said that it's a good start. So we'll ask him to elaborate on that. And uh, we always try to squeeze in a couple other Harrisburg-related uh, topics while we got him on the line. Uh, we have On the Mark now on the air. So call us if you wish to. On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is now open, 1-800-795-9565. It's the telephone number, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com, and you can text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM in there. And if you sent a text yesterday, we didn't get to it. Our little device here only looks at things for 24 hours, and then it wipes everything out. Actually, it wipes out everything about every three minutes, but we are able to retrieve them uh, shortly. So, that's how you can get through to us. <laughs> Good luck trying to get through to Joe, but uh, that's how you can talk to us. You're very funny this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joe. That's a that's a compliment coming from you. Yeah, well, it was intended to have a certain biting edge, edge to it, right? right. <laughs> You're very funny. Funny man, funny man. <laughs> Nobody likes that. Funny man. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. The uh, open phone. Uh, Tom's standing by right off the bat. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Yeah, I wanted to talk about how how good Joe Biden's doing instead of how bad he's doing. All that I hear all day for an hour and a half. Well, this will be a short conversation. <laughs> you know, you know, one of the things that was always bragged about when Trump was president was how good the stock market's doing, and Dan would call up and say how good his bank account's out filling up. And, you know, the stock market's at record levels right now, higher than when Trump was president. And you never hear, I haven't heard Stan or or anybody say how good the stock market was. I wonder why that is. Well, that's a holdover from Would, President Trump. Probably for the same oh, reason. Oh, a holdover from President Trump, <laughs> but when Trump was president, it wasn't a holdover from President Biden. Well, no. but you remember, you remember, Tom, you used to call in and say, well, no, but Trump, stock market doesn't matter. It's only rich people who are in the stock market. It's not helping the poor well, people. That's true. I, that's true. I'm not arguing that point. And I'm not saying I'm even crazy about the stock market, because I'm not. It causes a lot of problems. He's just pointing out your I'm hypocrisy, saying, Joe. I'm just pointing out the hypocrisy. I'm just pointing out the hypocrisy on the far, 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 far right 
that they are okay. bringing up about the stock market. Well, what's the positive well, benefit like of it? When Trump was president, what's that's the, all I'm bringing. Up, that's all I'm saying. What's the positive benefit of that? What's the positive benefit? Yeah, of you what? said you want to talk about how well Joe Biden's doing. What has he done that made this happen? Well, I just gave. Now I'm just giving you the stock market as one because that was always the big thing. No, but Trump. what did There's he do? That was a biggie. But the, the, a Tom, biggie. we could point to things that Trump did that increased the value of the stock market, like cutting down regulations, uh-huh. the tax cuts. What does Bi- what has Biden done that has boosted the well, stock he market? The first stimulus that just, helped. Just, the, just his presence. Oh, okay, just his presence. Confidence. <laughs> the confidence went up when <laughs> he went in. Well, that's true. We know the psychological impact has an impact on gas prices, so it probably does on Wall Street as well. Investors' mood, you always hear about that. But the president did sign a stimulus package, which was a boost to the that's economy, right. of course, all, and a boost to people kinds, and the families. All kinds of good things here, this president. Now, you got another, another thing that he did was the war in Afghanistan is over. Mm-hmm. Now, you can complain about that, that everybody isn't out. And somebody got killed, but we are out of Afghanistan. That's a positive. That's a very positive thing. Right. Even though it wasn't a pretty withdrawal, at least it we got her done. Well, it, it's, it's very positive. Let me tell you something that he's done that isn't so good, and this comes from uh, Justin. From I'm, t- I'm telling you the positives. <laughs> I don't want to hear your negatives. Oh, okay. I've already I talked call, about I it. I don't <laughs> to give you the positives. After I hang up, you can... You and Stan can get the negatives. All right, well, Stan is next. He's all set to, with all the negatives. I know he is. Thank you, Tom. Another thing, the wages are up. Oh, my gosh, yeah, look at the minimum And look wages. at the inflation. It's not keeping up with the oh, inflation. Look, now you're going to put something negative into it. You know, just, Joe? Just the positive, Joe. People are actually making, making more money now. Which, well, if I'm making when $10... dollars make more money, guess what they don't have to do? Well, Tom, if I'm making... They don't have to get, they don't have to get food stamps. They don't have to be live on Section Eight housing. I hate to they tell you this. They don't have to get free free medical, which which we pay for anyway. And all we are doing is subsidizing corporations and other places that could pay these people money if they wanted to. How much is so your social? Security? No, no, listen. Now I'm giving the positives. <laughs> you can give the negatives later. Well, I, this is a discussion program, and you can't just call in and say how wonderful everything is without being able to explain the things yeah, that aren't guys, so wonderful. You guys do. You guys That's all, what the rest of the show is for. hour and a half after I call up, unless Chris calls up, all it's going to be is negative calls about Joe Biden, and guess what? You're going to say, you're right, you're right, I agree with you 100%. That's a good point. <laughs> I know what's going to happen, but as soon as somebody comes on here like me... And you want to interrupt me and tell me how bad things are. <laughs> no, Joe wants to interrupt everybody. No, I, I, I'm willing <laughs> to listen to you, but I just would like you to explain how some of these other things are good. Oh, brother. You do I your, just said. Uh, and as far as this, and, and Joe, things are actually, they get, COVID's a lot better than it had been. Things, I'll grant COVID's you that. COVID's really getting better. Yep. And another thing, you guys keep blaming Joe Biden for this, for this uh, problem with the uh, with shortages of things and and uh, can't get the boats undelivered or can't get the boats unloaded. Well, guess what? Seven hundred and fifty thousand people died. Some of them people were truck drivers. They worked on docks. Some of those people, because the economy was so bad, they quit those jobs and got other jobs, and they're not going back to truck driving. 
Well, and the worker shortage started well, now, years now, ago. Worker shortage, and that's not Joe Biden's fault. Those are things that happened okay. now because I've, I've, of the pandemic. I've got to read this to you because it, it touches on what you just said. This is from our friend Larry G. in Houston, Texas. He said, last night I received word that our non-union truck drivers will not be granted access to West Coast ports to handle container movement for two of our clients. As a 50-year provider and consultant for supply chain services, I'm concerned that the part of the current supply chain crisis may be by design. Right, well, so that, why won't they let the non-union people in? Design. Get, get out of Must here. be a get California restriction. Why, why won't a they lot let... Of thing, a lot of things happen, Joe. A lot of things happen. People lost their jobs. This pandemic threw a lot of things out of whack. Right, but the non-union drivers... The, it's there not are, all Joe Biden's fault. There, I'll, I'll concede that, but there are a lot of non-union drivers who are willing to go into those ports and suppl- and take care of the supply chain problem, but the Biden administration won't let them. Well, the president will have to I work on that. It. I don't believe it. <laughs> Tom, do you, think, something. do you think Joe would lie or exaggerate just to make conservatives he, look good? Come on. Yes, I do. And I know. I Everybody Larry knows G it. All right. Thank you so much, it, Tom. Joe Biden is doing a very good job, except for on the border. I won't. I will concede that he's not doing a good job on the border. Right. But everything else, we got stimulus packages, and we got we got this infrastructure bill, which is going to you know improve this country immensely. The guy's doing a good job. I mean, considering the circumstances, this guy's doing a good job. And now we're going to hear from the on the mark correspondent. Stand. <laughs> Thank you. Who, who, From Fox I News. I don't know if he's affiliated with QAnon or what wacko outfit he's with, but that's what we're going to hear next. So all every right. conservative's with a wacko say. outfit. Huh? Thank we're you, all Tom. Wackos. Thank you, Tom. Thank Thanks, you. Thank Tom. you. Thank you. All right. Welcome to Wacko World. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> we're that's your host. The, the alternate side of uh, Marktopia. <laughs> the uh, hosts are here to be the wackiest, <laughs> and then the wackier caller and texters on the line now. Go ahead, sir. Stan. <laughs> Tom is great for a good belly laugh early in the morning. He has his head so buried up his posterior that he can't breathe right. That's why he's lightheaded. Oh, he's 100% right about all the things he said. (laughs) Anyways, uh, have you, you guys support the First Amendment and the rights of journalists to report the news, correct? Absolutely Absolutely not. I do. No. Okay. So, what's your opinion of the FBI raiding uh, James O'Keefe's uh, house looking for a supposed diary owned by, supposedly, uh, Biden's youngest daughter, Ashley Biden? Well, he didn't have it. He not already familiar turned it over that. to the police. I'm yeah. not familiar with that. Yeah, Fox hasn't reported on that yet, so Joe's unfamiliar. Well, are you familiar? I've heard the sentence that he just said. I've heard that sentence. <laughs> I don't know what it means. I don't know the background yet. Okay, supposedly last year, before the election, somebody came into possession of a diary that they claimed to be Ashley Biden's, okay? They said they found it in a hotel or something. I don't know. And O'Keefe didn't, he came in, they gave it to him, or he got it, they was evidently farming it out, trying to get some money off it, whoever got it initially. O'Keefe had possession of it for a time being, couldn't confirm any of it, so... He didn't publish anything, and he turned it over to the police. Okay? And then, evidently, there's a grand jury uh, impaneled to investigate this Ashley Biden diary. And he was given a subpoena to report and to testify. And 
they suggested that he not publicize any that he got the subpoena until after he was in. I guess he complied with that until after his home was raided by the FBI. Now, this is over a diary, okay? Or is it punishment for the stuff that O'Keefe has been doing with uh, exposing the, uh, the you know, health and human services and stuff that they've been doing with coronavirus? Is that, which, which do you think it is? Well, I, I don't know. I'm The story doesn't make a lot of sense the way you're explaining it. I mean, why would, if well, he yeah, turned the diary to over this. to the police, why would anybody raid his home looking for it? That is the question. That is the question. But it was reported in the New York Times. It's not so, and, and he's and he's put it on his uh, website that he was raided in the middle of the night, pounding on his door. He said, "Ten FBI agents outside with battering ram and bright lights came in, handcuffed him, threw him up against the wall, confiscated his phone, and searched his apartment." Okay. So wh- why do you suppose they would do something like that? Now that just happened recently. And, and, and he was supposedly in possession of the diary last fall before the election. And he did nothing with it except he looked through it, tried to confirm or, you know, see if it was uh, legitimate or not. Couldn't determine, so he turned it over to law enforcement. So isn't that what a, a, a journalist should do if they come into something that's not necessarily theirs? But what? reporters are given stuff all the time. And I, don't, I didn't see anybody get raided over the Trump tax forms being released. Did you? Well, no, not really. But I'm and reading that was the, reported in the New York Times, I believe. I'm reading the, the story. Or, I'm reading the story yeah, in the New York Times, and they say that the diary was stolen from Ashley That's Biden. That's what they say. Not that it was yeah. left in a hotel room somewhere. There's nothing here that says he found it in a hotel room or claims he found it in a hotel room. O'Keefe, O'Keefe didn't find it. Somebody gave it to him. All right? Okay. They were farming it out, trying to get money for it. And wait, right? Justice. He had possession for a time being and tried to confirm whether it was real or not. He couldn't confirm. He didn't publish. He turned it over to law enforcement. Wouldn't that be the proper thing to do for a report? He's a reporter. Reporters, you know, get a little leeway most of the time on this stuff, right? Yeah, mm, I wouldn't. It and, just depends. Anyway, so what? what uh, the bottom depends. line is that President Biden is influencing this to find this diary. Is that the bottom line here? Well, no, the DOJ is because okay, the that's DOJ, fine. But we do have a a pretty bad uh, Attorney General there, someone that we can thank God that didn't get on the Supreme Court. He's qualified. But why, why, would, why would they be raiding a, a, uh, you know, a journalist's home for something when he has already turned it over and they know it because they went to law enforcement with it? He turned it to law enforcement. He didn't give it back to Ashley Biden because he didn't know if it was hers. All right, we got you. But if All it right. was written, if it said Ashley Biden on the front of it, I mean, I would assume. <laughs> well, I don't know what it said, because nobody's seen it. Well, I'm the how only it, one that's seen it. If there was nothing to identify it as Ashley Biden's, how would he even know right. it was hers? En- enough, man. No, enough, seriously. Enough. Well, I, I, don't, I can't answer that, Joe. All I can tell you was right. what is out there right now. He's rated because of what he's said to have done, and he said what he has done. And he was under subpoena by a grand jury. So they have a grand jury impaneled 
to check into a diary. Well, the New York Times story says that Project Veritas did not publish Miss Biden's diary, but dozens exactly. of hand, but dozens of handwritten pages from it were posted on a right-wing website last year, a week and a half before Election Day, at a time when President Donald Trump was seeking to undermine Mr. Biden's credibility by portraying his son Hunter as engaging in corrupt business dealings. The posting was largely ignored by other conservative outlets and the mainstream media. Okay, so who is the conservative outlet that published it? And can they be tied to O'Keefe? I don't know. They don't They don't mention, the New York Times story doesn't exactly. mention they, what right-wing website. I don't know. This fails the who cares test. But okay. if William well, Barr no, and it's a, it's a lot. if William Barr and the U.S. Justice Department now are doing an improper investigation William we'll Barr is out of the picture now. You're talking about the Right, but as I said, he started the investigation okay. and now, of course, it continues under Merrick Garland's Department of Justice. So if they're doing something improper, uh, that is a finable criminal offense and should be investigated, you know, go ahead and check that out. And if the president is influencing this, then that's an impeachable offense. Stan, we'll give you the last word. Go right ahead. So why does it seem that it's always Democrat administrations that go after reporters and throw them in jail and, and, and raid their homes and that? It just seems, I don't think any of that happened last year or the previous four years under Trump. I don't think any reporters were, you know, in... You know, homes were invaded and uh, ransacked. Not that you know under, of. Uh, <laughs> Believe me, that would have been reported. Do you recall seeing any of that? I don't have any recollection of anything at all whatsoever. Exactly. So, like but we that. have seen it in the Obama administration. Now we're seeing it under Biden's administration. <laughs> all right, we Why got are you. they afraid to let journalists... You know, it, it used their First Amendment right. I don't think we mentioned it. And they but Mr. Trump a dictator. Mr. O'Keefe is uh, uh, the, what, head of Project Veritas? Yeah. We didn't yeah. mention that. So but that clears anything up. Not. All right. Thank you so much, well, Stan. No, no, no. See, there you go, Mark. There you go. You know, the guy has reported a lot go. of stuff that's been true. Oh, my God, and yet Stan. You, you denigrate him because he's, a right, he's, he's not even a right winger if you ask him. I don't care but what he is. He goes after both sides. I, I, Stan, you're full of it. You know, I don't care what he is. If he did a crime, he should be investigated. If he didn't, he should he didn't be... He do a crime. He should, well, then fine, if you'd let me finish. I said, if he did a crime, he should be investigated. If he didn't, then he should be clear. That's all. I don't care if he's conservative. I don't care if he's a chicken <laughs> running around. If he did a crime, he should be prosecuted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Honest to Pete, Stan. You got uh, it bad. Uh, yeah, come on, Mark. Right. But, well, you know, come on, Stan. Dan, it's not just a partisan issue here. This, this started under the Trump administration, and now it's continuing. Can we have that bell, please, This investigation Rob? started two years ago. Thank you, Stan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, have a great day. Yeah. Right, you too. And he and I are friends. I, I think that yeah, well, you've <laughs> been proven by me. Listen, if, if they are raiding a reporter's home, and the question becomes whether or not you believe well, Project Veritas is a, a legitimate news organization. There's, there's no way the Justice Department can get away with that. All right, to be continued. Thank you for the call, Stan. We'll take more comers. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com and text us at 70236. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Joe. You know, last week, um, Pete Buttigieg came out with a rather bizarre comment that there was a certain amount of racism on our roads. And at a press conference uh, the other day, he was asked about this. And as a result of the question, the way it was phrased, and the answer, it became a subject for Tucker Carlson's comment last night, which I have here. And I think it's interesting because he makes a very good point. How can a road be racist? You may have wondered, what would happen if the dumbest people in the world gathered together in the same room and tried to have a conversation? Well, for one thing, hilarity would ensue. Happened today. The Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg, held a press conference to brag about the new, quote, infrastructure bill that Biden just signed. A highly aggressive know-nothing called April Ryan, who apparently works for some kind of website, asked Buttigieg this question. No, we are not making this up. We pulled the words directly from the transcript. Quote, can you give us the construct of how you will deconstruct the racism that was built into roadways? End quote. Now, in a normal country, if you heard that question, you'd ask the person to repeat the question because obviously you must have misheard what she said. And if she said it again, you would laugh at her because that's truly insane. Roads can't be racist. You can't build racism into a road. Roads are made of sand and gravel and asphalt. Ask any road builder. Roads cannot be racist any more than toasters or sectional couches can be racist. They are inanimate objects. They're not alive. That seems obvious, but apparently people to judge didn't know it. Maybe he did know it, but he was afraid to say it. In any case, here's how he responded. I'm still surprised that some people were surprised when I pointed to the fact that uh, if a highway was built for the purpose of dividing a white and a black neighborhood, or if an underpass was constructed such that a bus carrying mostly black and Puerto Rican kids uh, to a beach, or there would have been, uh, in New York was was designed uh, too low for it to pass by, that that obviously reflects racism that went into those design choices. Here we have news. According to the Department of of Transportation, the secretary, overpasses in New York were designed to keep buses of black and Puerto Rican kids from getting to the beach. And here's the amazing part. Those very same overpasses somehow allow buses full of white kids to get through. That sounds like magic. How does it work? Well, it's possible the overpasses that Buttigieg referred to are actually drawbridges manned by vigilant bigots with binoculars. Here comes the Puerto Rican bus. Lower the overpass. You may laugh, but in a systemically racist country, it's entirely possible. Or maybe come to think of it, the problem is the buses themselves. In New York, children of color are being herded into unusually tall buses, like those top-heavy double-deckers they used to have in London that the Beatles sang about, just to prevent them from reaching the ocean. You can't get to the beach in a bus like that. And we don't know exactly what's happening here, but we agree with people to judge 100% that it's morally wrong. It's not who we are. So thank heaven he's got a trillion dollars to get to the bottom of the racist road problem. Racist road problem. Now, doesn't that strike you? Did you hear that question? How can you tell us the construct of how you will deconstruct <laughs> the racism in, uh, in our highways? But, uh, and and they designed, in New York, they designed the bridges to keep black and Puerto Rican kids from getting to the beach. 
Is that true? <laughs> no. No, it's not true. It, what about racism in the transportation system and in the interstate highway system and in public transportation? We know that is widely talked about, but you're saying, oh, that's false, too. Run that by me again. What is it widely talked about? The fact that when urban planners and government planners favored white neighborhoods over black ones uh, would be more likely to divide and, and go through black and Latino neighborhoods when they're building interstate highways because they weren't concerned about uh, dividing the the uh, brown neighborhoods because they were just brown people that didn't matter as much. And this was ongoing, you well, know, through the 60s, 70s, and 80s through the interstate. But you're saying all that observation is false. Well, you know, you're putting a racial context to it. But here's here's the fact that, that you have to deal with. They try to find the least expensive alternatives to get from point A to point B. So if they want to go through a row of millionaires' mansions, that's going to cost them a lot more than going through a neighborhood of uh, lower middle-class homes. Like it or not, that's the economics okay. of building a highway. They're going to try and find the least expensive. Take, for example, the Susquehanna Valley Thruway. Originally, they were going to go through those ash basins because that was the cheapest way to go. They weren't saying, let's divide black neighborhoods neighborhoods or let's build a road here so we can design it to keep uh, black people from reaching the ocean. That wasn't the goal. Okay. The goal is to make the roads affordable and and utilitarian. So it's just coincidence then that there's extensive study and lots of interviews and lots of books talk, talk you know, talking about the fact that racism was a factor in interstate highway design and public transport design, transportation right. design and how it was put together. Route 81 is largely out in isolated areas and through the city of Harrisburg, oh. through the north end Interstate through very 81. nice residential areas. I got you. Okay. So, you know, what okay, about so those homes? Just answer have? the question. It's a yes or no question. All the observations, th- this national study that says, you know, that we were racist when he designed these highways and public transportation. I don't says, buy it. Okay, so that's false. Okay, well, I'm that's not fine. saying it's false. I'm no, saying fine. I don't buy it. That's fine. I think that's knowing fine. something about how roads are built and how highways are laid out and how the money is raised, I don't see that as being a very practical solution. Gotcha. They might, there may well be bigots in the road construction industry who say, let's, let's do this. But if push comes to shove and the cost effectiveness isn't there, it won't get done that way. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Just wanted to stipulate that uh, you don't believe that. But still, a ask, road to answer could be that racist. question. How are you, what's the construct of how you're going to deconstruct yeah, the racism in our race? But that our is part of the infrastructure package is to help glue some of these communities back together again that were damaged by urban planning and highway construction that injured black and minority communities. If so, there are inequities, but they should you don't be corrected. Buy it. No, so I said fine. if there are inequities, they should be corrected. No, well, you don't buy it. This is WDK, okay, Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, 
Mark Lawrence, and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe McGranahan is directly across from me. His favorite phrase whenever he hears about any past history that relates to blacks is, I don't buy it. So That's not true, and you know it. Glad he's on board. But he is a history buff, white and black, among his uh, favorite points of American history. On the mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. Now, we are going to hear from Senator Gordner at about 9.15 this morning. So he's an add-on, so he let us know he'll be able to talk to us. So uh, we're going to talk to him about the mask mandate being lifted at schools, and uh, we always ask him about whatever else is going on in Harrisburg as well. You're welcome to email us at onthemarketwkok.com, and you can text us at 70236. Add the keyword OTM. Uh, Sunbury City Council met last night and approved a no-tax increase budget for next year. Councilman Rick Reichner says the budget is balanced and has sufficient funds for the minimum starting wage to be $14.50 for all current and future part-time and part-time employees and $13.50. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that stinks. I'd like to know what council. kind of employees they are, if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, so just passing. <laughs> anyway, that's $13.50 for all. They got gas. <laughs> uh, future and part-time employees. Uh, there are two full-time and ten part-time employees for whom this would be covered. It is not related to contractual, seasonal, internships, and PA work-study employees at Sunbury. In other news, the city police chief, Brad Hare, said some good news. For the first time since 2017, they are at nine full-time officers. Additionally, he said he hoped that the new police building will be ready for occupancy by the end of the year. Governor Tom Tom Wolf has announced his administration intends to end the school mask mandate. Our correspondent Mark Sims has that story. Governor Wolf says he expects the state to return decisions about whether masks should be worn in schools to local districts on January 17th. The state school mask order was put in place in September when the highly contagious COVID-19 Delta variant was surging. The governor says the mask mandate will remain in effect for child care providers and early learning programs until further notice. Senate Majority Leader Kim Ward called the governor's announcement a step in the right direction. It comes following the FDA's and CDC's recent approvals of coronavirus vaccine for 5 to 11-year-olds. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. The tomb of the unknown soldier has reached the century mark in its longevity and has been guarded day and night since it was opened 100 years ago. A recognition locally will take place of this milestone Thursday on Veterans Day. The American Legion Post 201 in Sunbury will host the ceremony at 11 a.m. It'll be near 3rd and Chestnut Streets, but audible throughout the city as a North Shore Railroad locomotive will sound the train's horn 21 times. That will be followed by a two-minute moment of silence. It will conclude with a long blast to recognize Veterans Day. WKOK News Time. It is now 8, or check that, 9-10, and uh, we're going to read some more news headlines just a little bit later on, uh, but uh, our guest of honor for this hour has uh, called in, State Senator John Gordner. Good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in. Morning, Senator. 
Uh, good morning, guys. Republican Senator from the 27th uh, District, Pennsylvania Senate Majority Whip in Harrisburg. The governor's mask mandate being uh, lifted, not for a month or so, so that's the first dilemma, and not even fully for everybody, just for schools. Uh, Your reaction and the state Senate's reaction to this? Uh, First of all, uh, the state Senate and myself have the same opinion. We believe that should be a decision of the 500 school districts. Certainly after the elections uh, that were held last Tuesday, uh, I think it's very clear that the the folks want local decisions. Uh, Those folks are elected um, locally, just as the governor is elected statewide, and uh, really shouldn't have a one-size-fit-all type of uh, mandate. So that continues to be what we uh, want, is local school board control. Um, I mean, I'll credit uh, Majority Leader Kim Ward. Uh, She talks to the governor uh, every week, and she has been pushing for the governor to do this. Um, The hope was that uh, he would lift it, uh, you know, immediately, but we were pushing for right after the Thanksgiving Day um, break. And uh, the governor, I don't know if I should be saying this or not, I guess it basically agreed to do it after the Christmas break, And I think when he made the announcement, uh, obviously his staff and the people around him uh, must have changed his mind because now it's like eight weeks from now. Um, You know, it's amazing, again, when we were in the pandemic and uh, he was issuing executive orders that would take effect in three hours. um, You know, it seems like when he uh, moves (laughs) something, it takes eight weeks to do it. So it's a disappointment. Anything magic about that date, John? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, I think uh, they mentioned January 17th, which would be right after the Martin Luther King holiday. But, again, uh, I think he uh, vocally had agreed to right after the Christmas break, and obviously that got changed. Should not masks be uh, a state mandate as a public health measure? We know we're still in the midst of the resurgence of this pandemic, and we still have local numbers, uh, still thousands of cases a day of new new cases. Uh, should not the governor step in and say, look, we got to continue to do whatever we can to save lives here? This is a public health emergency. Uh, it- you can argue for the pluses and minuses, uh, you know, pre-vaccination uh, availability. Um, but even just going out to the school, and, and uh, Majority Leader Kim Ward is making this uh, point to the governor, that the uh, vaccine's been available for students 12 and above, and the vaccination rate for students 12 and above is approaching 70%. Um, so to continue to require that uh, mandate, you know, I, I continue to chuckle every time I see, uh, you know, Chuck Schumer in Puerto Rico without a mask on and, uh, you know, the, uh, what, the Virginia School uh, Teacher Association who pushed and pushed and pushed for masks in Virginia, and then uh, she's at a conference down in Florida or wherever it is, and she's without a mask. It's just very hypocritical. Well, yeah, I think you, you end up seeing people who generally wear masks not wearing them in inopportune times. I think that's a Republican and a, a Democratic dilemma, maybe more uh, striking among uh, Democrats. What's what's so bad about wearing a mask? You and I have been to schools when the students are wearing masks, and it's just, I, I don't even know that there's a health dilemma. It's a, I hate to say this, it's just a shame. You know, you don't get to see the kids smiling, you just can't see the faces. But other than that, is there any other reason that masks shouldn't be mandated uh, in the schools? 
Well, I think the issue is the uh, the mandate for it um, the entire time that they're at school. I mean, if you're out at recess in, in the outdoors and mask is still mandated, or, you know, you're participating in, in a sport uh, and uh, there's a mask mandate, it just seems like there should be exceptions. And under the governor's one-size-fits-all, uh, there's it, once you get on the school bus and once you get off the school bus, it's, it's a mask. And uh, it just doesn't seem like there is reasonable exception. So let's just, let's just leave it up to the local school districts. I can't help but thinking that the governor um, had this change of heart, if you will, about going back or loosening up a little bit as the result of the election uh, last week, where in Virginia uh, the Republican won the governor's race largely on the issue of schools and and what's being taught there. And in New Jersey, the governor's race is still not officially called. You know, do you think the governor was looking at the political winds and decided that maybe they're blowing the wrong way for him? (laughs) Uh, To be honest with you, no. Uh, that's not his nature, and you know, look, he he's not going to run for election again because he he's not allowed to. He's term limited. He's in a, a going into the last year of the second term. So now, um, again, I know uh, Kim Ward has been uh, pushing the issue for the last three four weeks in those weekly phone calls with him, and uh, she felt that she was getting uh, some movement uh, in regard to it, especially you know she was pushing him on you know Governor, what's the vaccination rates among twelve and over and you know he acknowledged that it's pushing 70 percent which was sort of his magic number for other things uh, previously and now that the man there now that the vaccine is available for uh, you know what six to eleven um, it just seemed timing and again he gave uh, he gave some dates uh, on the phone call with with majority leader ward that obviously then changed when the announcement came what about um, the other issues that surfaced in Virginia with respect to parents having a right to talk about or to have some say in their kids' education? <laughs> Are we seeing anything like that in Pennsylvania, or is that debate raging here, or is it under anything under consideration in the House and Senate in Harrisburg? Uh, well, first of all, I can say that uh, in, we just got back to a session um, yesterday, so we, we had a Republican caucus, and it was mentioned that... Uh, uh, I think it was the uh, York County, it was either York County or Lancaster County, had more write-in votes uh, than they ever had in their history uh, with this election a week ago, and they were almost all um, garnered uh, at school board races, uh, where folks that, uh, you know, a lot of times in our area there's not much competition for school board races, uh, you know, and frankly, a lot of times it's school teacher related type of folks that run for school board uh, but down there they had um, whole slates of, of candidates to run write-in campaigns and, and win write-in campaigns uh, which is obviously a challenge so it certainly is, is hitting and I know in down in the Philadelphia suburbs, suburb areas uh, there's certainly uh, responses as well but um, there is legislation that we are considering this week, I forget if it's today or tomorrow, actually I think it's tomorrow, uh, that would say that uh, parents are the only ones that can uh, decide whether their kids get vaccinated or not and that uh, the governor or anyone else cannot mandate uh, this particular uh, quote-unquote vaccine uh, for uh, their children. 
All right. Uh, other major issues that are pending down there? I mean, we have a Harrisburg list of things we occasionally ask you about, none of which we, uh, uh, we know that are pending at this exact time. Anything else in Harrisburg that's right at the top of the agenda of note? Um, I, I will note just a personal interest in the uh, infrastructure bill that was passed by Congress. Um, I know that there are Republican members that in, the, in the House that didn't support it. Um, I'm interested because there's been this whole push by the uh, governor and the de- uh, Department of Transportation to toll uh, a number of bridges on I-80, uh, which brings up a whole uh, bad episode from the Rendell administration when they talked about doing the same thing. And I've got one of those bridges uh, on the eastern part of my district in Luzerne County. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I think I just saw that Pennsylvania will be getting, uh, once the governor signs it, I don't believe he did yet, but once the governor signs it, Pennsylvania be, will be getting about $4 billion extra dollars over the next five years. And so it uh, be interesting to see if we can somehow convince Penned out with all of that extra monies, uh, not to, um, to put tolls on, on certain bridges along I-80. Who will make the decision, Senator, about how that money is spent? Uh, it'll be penned out. Um, we, yeah, in regard to federal monies that come, um, yeah, obviously from Washington to the state uh, into PennDOT, that is not um, something that the legislature. Uh, involved with. There is those, uh, what are they, regional transportation entities. I think ours is run through uh, CEDACOG uh, that, that do decide on what makes the 10-year uh, the, the list, um, but uh, legislators are not involved with uh, where exactly those monies go. Is there anything you can do to stop five days off if you get vaccinated, if you work under the governor's jurisdiction? Can the Senate do anything? Cut off his funds or something? Or a hundred bucks, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could certainly pass some legislation and send it to the governor, which he would veto. <laughs> uh, I happened to run into our state treasurer, uh, Stacy Garrity, last night and chatted with her uh, a bit. I, I like her a lot. She came out immediately opposed to it and as the state treasurer um, you know she uh, at least will have her lawyers look at whether you know it's something that can be just authorized by the governor on his own or not um, so she's probably our best hope of, of um, you know putting some sense into what the cost of it is. <laughs> I mean I've heard of incentives all right but that's a little ridiculous okay uh, anything else pending down there uh, we see the house is working on this outside funding bill for elections so that uh, we reported on that a little earlier uh, is uh, anything else related to election reform that the governor won't automatically veto that's pending uh, we certainly talked about that yesterday in caucus and again um, and it's a race that maybe you didn't pay much attention to or are, aren't paying much attention to. Uh, we are just because of the the individual involved. But there were four court races. Uh, the, the big one was the Supreme Court, which uh, Kevin Robson won, which is nice, from a guy from Lycoming County. Uh, there's the Superior Court, and then there were two Commonwealth Court uh, judges um, on the ballot. And uh, that night, I stayed up to around, uh, I don't know, close to 1 a.m. Uh, just to watch all the results. And then when I got up uh, Wednesday morning uh, and checked the results on the statewide website again, um, the Republicans had won all four of those uh, judge races. 
and I was particularly interested in, in Drew Crompton because I, I know him personally and uh, respect him tremendously. Uh, and as of uh, Wednesday morning, he had a lead of around 40,000 votes. Um, Philadelphia and Montgomery County um, kept on putting in uh, numbers, and uh, by the time Friday afternoon rolled around, uh, he was down by about 1,000 votes. And uh, as of uh, yesterday, uh, he's down by about 12,000. So to have someone the day after the election be up 40 and to have two counties, Philly and Montgomery, two Democratic counties, continue to, um, I hate to say this, but find votes or send in votes, um, the appearance at least is just very, very bad. So at least um, allowing counties to uh, do what's called pre-canvassing, and the counties are supportive of it, uh, but to uh, allow them or actually mandate them to, as they get the absentee ballots in, process them, not count them, but process them so that, you know, at least the day after the election there's a final result and not this, there's a guy ahead by 40,000 and all of a sudden three or four days after the election uh, he's losing. Uh, just the appearance is horrible on that. So if that's among some other things we need to do to change the election law. Explain the difference between counting them and processing them. So um, my wife and I uh, actually went away for a week, so we were not home uh, last Tuesday night. We voted uh, by a mail-in ballot. And uh, when, you mail, when you mail in your ballot, you have to uh, put it in a security envelope and then put it in another envelope. So you put it in one envelope and then a security, I guess you put it in a security envelope and then you put it in the mail-in envelope. So right now, counties are not able to take them out of any of the envelopes until Tuesday morning of the election. Uh, what I think 27 or 28 other states do is allow for pre-canvassing, which means that they are able to um, start the process of, of uh, taking the ballots out of whatever it needs to be done and getting them ready to be counted. So not not have them counted, but get them ready to be counted. Do they have an exact total of the number of those types of ballots? Presumably that's what, what they're counting down there. Do they have accurate numbers of how many they sent out and how many were returned? Uh, they should. Uh, you know, we haven't looked at that yet. And actually it's today, I think, that every county has to certify the results and send uh, those numbers into the state. And then I think uh, this Friday is when the state uh, can certify the elections. Well, typic uh, typically the turnout in, in off-year elections is like, what, 34, 35 percent? I would think if a county like that had suddenly 60 percent returns, it would raise a flag. It would. And look, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that uh, Republicans are more inclined to go to the, the polls on a Tuesday, and Democrats are more inclined to mail in um, their ballots. So... It's not a surprise that uh, the Democratic candidates get more of the, you know, the ballots that get sent in and Republicans get more on Election Day. But, you know, both of you are, are folks that have been around for a while, like me, and, you know, okay, we're used to maybe 2, 3 in the morning, you know, finding out the results at, at worst <laughs> the next morning. But uh, to see a shift of close to 50,000 votes from the night of election to the following Friday is just unsettling. 
and that could be resolved. Well, what about somehow secretly counting them with enough judges of election to monitor them? You know, start the you know start on Thursday or Friday before the election. Yeah, I don't think there's uh, support, and I don't believe I su- support that either. Okay. I feel uncomfortable with uh, counting the votes before the election and having people know how the race is going before election day. That that just that's out of my comfort zone. <laughs> okay. But uh, somehow having an army of people processing them ahead of time, so that at least uh, could be done so that there and are... And again, 20, 28 or 29 states, I think, already allow for that pre-canvassing. Right. To get them ready. Will there be any... I, I hope... We, we, we talked about yesterday that uh, by December... Uh, getting something uh, to the governor that uh, hopefully he can sign or at least is reasonable on his desk. But there won't be any investigation into this, or will there be? (laughs) Uh, I I don't know. We might get caught up in the audit if there is a dilemma. All right. Thank you so much, John. Really appreciate it. Stay in touch. We always appreciate your updates. We don't see you. Have a nice Thanksgiving, John. Thanks. Yep. Bye, guys. Take care. State Senator John Gordner, Representative or Republican, 27th District State Senator, and the State Senate Majority Whip. So he's uh, counting votes for all these good things as we go along. So we appreciate that. All right, we're going to flip back to open phones. Topic of your selection, if you want to talk about the Harrisburg uh, things that or are the going racist on. racist roadways. Right, racist roadways, which we know exist, and the governor's mask mandate ending for schools and uh, not much the legislature can do, though it sounds like there's a conversation between the Republican majority and the governor now, so that's uh, good news. It wasn't too long ago they weren't talking at all. Uh, We can talk about that uh, or the uh, other issues that we've talked about today. President Biden doing a great job, according to one of our good callers, so we appreciate that caller. We'll take more like him and more like Stan. Call us now, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Email us at onthemarkatwkok.com dot com. Text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Shade Mountain Winery invites you to the annual Progressive Open House with Penns Creek Pottery and the Country Squire, Saturday, November 13th. Start at Penns Creek Pottery, then make your way to Shade Mountain Winery and the Country Squire in Sealands Grove. Enjoy all the wonderful gift-giving options at all three small businesses. Penns Creek Pottery will feature Steve Strauss and Mary Beth Wiseman as guest artists. Shade Mountain Winery will have Tate Farm food and wine pairing boxes, and the Country Squire will have lovely wooden bowls by Charles Nice. Also find out how you can win holiday gifts to you from all three businesses, all on Saturday. Saturday, November 13th. See you there. 
It's not too early to think about your Christmas tree, and you only need to remember one thing, 30,000. That's how many trees there are to choose from at Cole's Stony Hill Tree Farm. They have them all, from four to all the way up to 10-foot-tall sizes. Choose from the four most popular species like Douglas fir, Conkle, or Fraser fir, and Blue Spruce. Tag it now to cut fresh when you are ready to decorate. And don't forget to visit the Christmas shop for all the ornaments, beautiful wreaths, decorations, and more. Time flies, so before the holidays arrive, you can be ready now with Cole's Stony Hill Tree Farm, Mexico Road in Milton. I'm Hall of Famer Jack Ham, and this is Pennsylvania, where we know football. And that means we know that being the home team provides a clear advantage. So when it comes time for you to choose your Medicare options, go with the home team at Insurance Services, LLC. They were founded right here in Pennsylvania, and they know the Medicare playing field better than anyone. So when it came time for me to choose my team for understanding Medicare coverages, I went with the home team. Your insurance services home team is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, and there's never a fee for their services. Talk to your insurance services home team today to learn your options. Call 1-800-800-1999. That's 1-800-800-1999. Or visit us at myinsuranceteam.com. Not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. This has been a paid endorsement, insurance-related. It's, it's worked. Okay. In other words. All right, 1-800-795-9565, uh, upper right-hand corner, Joe. My friend Doug says, to the lefty liberals, everything is racist. <laughs> Therefore, nothing is racist anymore. Racism has lost its meaning because the left has watered down the definition of the word. Sure, real racism still exists, and it always will. But the left has used the term so much as a political tool that it no longer has a true meaning. If you don't agree with the left's agenda, you must be a racist. You don't agree with something a person who happens to be a minority says or does, you're racist. And now, inanimate objects are even or are, are even appear entirely racist. It all sounds ridiculous, and it certainly is. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate the, the email. racist highway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's... I think you should protest and never drive on any roads again, <laughs> Is that Martin. just the nomenclature for a real issue, or is that a, a strange name for an unreal problem? Well, you wish, don't buy it, I right? wish Pete had answered the question, tell me the construct of how you're going to deconstruct yeah. the racism in our highways. What is the construct? When you say what is the construct, what does how does that how do you well, define that? I, I think in the way she was using it, she wanted to know what specific steps he was going to take to remove racism from the highways mm-hmm. and to make them to purify them, if you will, right, so that they these, are no longer racist. Glue these towns back together or reestablish it wasn't rail just lines that. or whatever. Pete Buttigieg didn't use an example about dividing the hot the, the communities. He used the example of bridge designs that are too low to allow a group of bus of Hispanic and black children to get to the beach. All right, and well, that's a real example. We know that's true, but well, you don't do. na- you don't buy name that. Me an, name me an interchange or a bridge that was designed to block Too specifically low. to block buses of black and yeah, Hispanic children from getting to the beach. I'd love action. to know where that is. Okay, I'll, I'll give and you. And wouldn't it also block white children from getting to the same beach on uh, the same buses? Uh, white kids were more privileged than were in cars. It's in <laughs> black and minorities that use that have to use buses. mass transportation. You obviously haven't gone to camp or anywhere where they 
load light black brown kids and yellow kids in a bus and they take them to a camp. Well, and you know, this is a complex issue. I know you like to make fun of it because you don't buy it, and I get that. That's fine. But this is a real issue in the U.S., and this bill, while it, as you have aptly pointed out, is not going to give a dime to us, is going to try to address that issue. But if you don't buy it, it doesn't matter anyway. It's like Doug. You can live in Dougville, and you don't have to worry about these things. Uh, Dan, you are on the mark. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. Why, uh, Congress lady Marjorie Taylor Greene from South Carolina, for some time she's been trying to get in to the prisoners at Washington, D.C. that participated in the Capitol building protest January 6th. Well, finally she got in the other day and the conditions are deplorable. When uh, the first ones that were put in there, whenever they started this, they were only given one hour of free time. The rest, they're in solitary confinement, in other words, for several months. Then they reduced it to two hours, and now it's to five in the last month. But their food is terrible. A lot of them are getting sick, and they can't contact. None of their families are allowed to contact them. They haven't talked to their family members for some time, and also they can't. Of course, they can't visit. It, she had a hard time to get in. The Congress lady, and they can get bail if they denounce that they were sorry that they ever supported President Trump. They have to denounce their support of the pre- uh, President Trump, and they can get bail. So, and also, they there if you don't get a vac, the so-called vaccine shot while you're in there. You can't receive Holy Communion, but some of the prisoners are trying to meet on their own, you know, without uh, being noticed. But but they, that's uh, there's a lot of restrictions on them just for a political protest. They're being made an example, and the main hatred is Donald Trump. Okay. All right. Well, you missed the part that the uh, the part where they there we go. See, <laughs> there we catching. go. It's psychological, uh, <laughs> where they last they cry themselves to sleep singing the national anthem. I mean, let's face it. Marjorie Taylor Greene is not exactly the most stable human being in the world. <laughs> She's hey, a little uh, volatile. Okay, you can say that if you wanna. I wanna. <laughs> because you're gonna say that because of of the whole situation there that they're political prisoners and we can't admit there's two law there's two rules if you're a black lives protester you're a, you're a honorable but if you stuck up for your rights as a civil protester then you're no good you don't have you, you know if you're Trump 
may, if you're a Trumper, then somehow you're less of a citizen. So you buy, the, you buy that she, she claims in a tweet that the prisoners are receiving virtually no medical care, very poor food quality, and being put through re-education, which most of them are rejecting. You believe that to be true? Well, just be, if you have to denounce Donald Trump to get, to get the, out on bail, what do you think that is? Well, I can't imagine any court in the United States would allow that. And she refused. She did not elaborate on exactly how the inmates are being reeducated. So there's nothing in her tweet that indicates that they have to denounce Donald Trump to get out. Even even that's what she. That's exactly what she said. They're, they they have to admit they made a mistake. They should have never supported President Trump, and then they can get bail. And they haven't. They can't talk to their family members, and you know, yeah, they're a lot of them are true patriots. They just, you know, most of them had no intention of doing any harm in there. Like they got caught up in the frail, the excitement. So, but they're political prisoners. They're being made an example. This is what could happen to you if you support President Trump. <laughs> this is what's going on, and you, people ought to wake up and smell the coffee. Okay, well, okay. I think she's and, smelling uh, something. And you know, it, it, it's just very unconstitutional way them people are being treated and we knew it we, I knew it was going on before the congress lady went in there we heard you hear reports of it how they're being mistreated and denied their civil rights but that's they're being made an example to try to teach us trump people you know, you know, don't support a guy like that. Do any of them have families, Dan? Yeah. Well, if they yeah. had families, the families could hire an attorney and get a writ of habeas corpus. And they would have to be represent that person before a judge and have to justify how it is they're being treated and how they're being maintained. So out of these 691 people that are incarcerated, none of them have done that. wonder why. I can't. I I can't answer beyond what I know. But you this. you heard all these reports. But I mean, what about the families of these people? Why aren't they raising royal hell? Heck. All right, we got to get another caller. Thank you so much, well, they're Dan. They're not going to be allowed to be heard from under the conditions we're living right now. It's the political atmosphere is if if you're a Trump supporter, you you don't count. Okay. All right, you know we got you. It, thank you, Dan. Thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. Hey, thank you. This is a sad time. You guys have a good one. Thank All you. Right, we got you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. All right, we got to take a quickie break. We'll be right back. We've got one caller standing by, but we'll take more comers. 1 800 795 9565. Hey, 
1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Call us if you wish to be on the radio. We've talked about uh, improper incarceration. Uh, Senator Gordon was on the line talking about the mask mandate, which still seems uh, onerous for a lot of folks. And it's racist roadway. Race, the racist roadway. And uh, what else? The underpasses designed to keep people from getting to the beach. Right. They're, they're, the discussion is real. Whether that's why. There's one school of thought that uh, it's an urban myth that it was built too low to keep uh, minority buses from getting through. Another uh, discussion item is that it was actually a low bridge to keep all buses and all trucks from going through so that the residential area would stay residential. And we all know that minority people don't have any cars at all or access to them. <laughs> and they, they, they're not permitted to go they around. They have to be on a bus and they have to, right, they have to, to go actually around. go under that underpass so, so it won't go there. But this is a discussion nationwide. All right, 1-800-795-9565. I hit next, and Bob pops up. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Hey, good morning. And Smoking Dan has a 10-ton weight limit going up through uh, the orchard there, but they're letting big trucks up there for this highway now, aren't they? There's no trucks up there that <laughs> over I've seen 10 big tons. trucks going up through there. Yeah, you know, they 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 go for deliveries into the shopping center there. They don't roam the Orchard Hills area. Okay. They can't make the tight turns, Bob. I happen to live there, so I know. Yeah, but I mean if there's a sign at the end of the road that says no t- trucks over 10 tons, you I have mean to that's post no that. trucks over 10 tons, right? right? You have to post those signs in order to enforce them. They're in those signs are in in communities all over the area. They're in Monroe Township, they're in Shabokan Dam Borough, they're in Sealands Grove Borough. They're all over the place because the 10-ton and higher trucks wreak havoc with borough streets. Oh. Okay. And they cost our taxpayers money. Oh. Just say oh. <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and that was a racist comment that that uh, Tucker Car- Carlson, you know, had on his show about Pete Buttigieg. And all he said was if roads were about discrimination. Mm. He did not say they are built for discrimination. That reporter tried to make, uh, as far as I'm concerned, a hypocritical comment to him about highways, which I don't think they're built to keep anybody, you know, out no matter what their race is. You know, and as far as the ballots go, you know, the date there's dates and there's... Uh, names on those envelopes so if they pre-open them they don't have the record or i don't know what they do once they open that ballot do they put a special marking on an envelope as to who it came from no i don't think they're allowed to do that no, they, the once the ballots are separated from the envelopes they stay separate there's no way to reconnect them okay and Just as far oh. as uh this doesn't shimoke and dam test their water daily <laughs> the borough water. <laughs> we when we when we pump water, we do actually test it. Yes, we are required to. The state has a series of uh, very stringent requirements for any public water supply, not just Shemokin dams. Right, but you you measure it every day, right? Measure what the water? Measure the depth. You don't do that. No, we don't measure the, the depth. depth of what the wells. Uh, every municipality that yeah. gets water from the river gets a permit to extract so many gallons per day. And then you don't measure it. You just follow your permit. Why is all this okay. germane? What's that? Why does this matter? Well, it's about, you know, the int- the Biden, uh, the money that Biden just passed 
for water and stuff like that. I got you. Okay. Oh, he maybe a dime will come here. Well, if if a dime comes in, you can bet Joe's going to have to deny it. Now. He he won't buy it, as they say. All right. Thank you so much, Bob. Really appreciate care, your Bob. call. Thank you. Thanks for the tips. Yeah, and Take I think it. Uh oh, you're still there. Oh, I did. Yep, here. Okay, Uh-oh. go ahead. What's your last lot? I just want to say the only thing. It's a new guy. Infrastructure. The only thing this infrastructure is good for is where these people who allocate the money, which are these big law firms, they're only good at building shell companies. So is that part of the infrastructure? Shell companies? I'm not sure how that works. Well, it depends on what the shells are made out of. Okay, well, Excellent who allocates point. the money? Huh? Who allocates the infrastructure money? The Congress law, of the United correct? States. No, the Congress does, unless you believe they're bought and paid well, for by big law they firms. They have to be affiliated with a law firm, Joe. No? The Congress is Our affiliated with a law firm. Okay, right now there's 29,000 shell companies, okay, operated by the United States. So that infrastructure money is not going to go to the Bar Association. That's all I'm asking. Well, I think probably the Bar Association has their fingers in that pie, as they do every pie. The ones who create victims, and they sue the working blue collar for that money, but they get to allocate the money. Is that correct? No, I don't believe that is, Dale, but... Well, we need to find out who allocates this money. <laughs> yes, we do. And, and stop eating around the bush. That'll be okay. your job. Why don't you do that for us? We were no, told. I'm not worried about it. I'm just saying mm. how how dumb you are about the media is telling you, look over here, somebody's getting stampled, trampled on, somebody's getting shot. Gotcha. Coronavirus. We you guys are all trying to get everybody to look over there. We don't buy it. I don't, under, I don't understand. We do you not know buy One it. One day you're going to hear, you're gonna hear uh, the finger snap, and you probably still won't wake up. All right, we got you. Thank you so much, Dale. Thanks when for the observation. When I snap my fingers, Mark, you will wake up, and you will the, be a conservative. The, uh, uh, one I thing we found out from fingers. Dale is that if you're going to operate a shell company, you have to have a lot of clams. Right. Okay. All right. I have to read one final headline. The Pittsburgh Tribune Review reported that Republican U.S. Senate candidate Sean Parnell said Monday he has never physically abused his estranged wife or children. He said, quote, we have a, had a tumultuous relationship. We fought a lot. We were on again, off again from the time we met. But he continued, he never struck any of them, never threw a chair at his wife, and never physically abused abused her, never choked her, never held her down, and never asked her to have an abortion when she did not He's wish very to. very specific about all the things he never did. Well, this is in answers. I don't, I don't, this is Q&A in court uh, from Pittsburgh Tribune Review, so we appreciate that. That's his side of the story. Is he the and, one that's been endorsed by Donald Trump or no, sought Donald Trump's sh- endorsement? Sure has. No, he's got it. He's, he's, got he's it. the okay. man. He's our next U.S. Senator, thanks to Donald Trump. All right. Sunbury Motor Company sells Ford, Hyundai, Kia, They are a premier service provider, though, for all makes of cars and trucks. They invite you to do what we have done. Take a Dodge or a Subaru or any vehicle there, even a motorcycle. doesn't matter what it is. got masterful mechanics there that are master mechanics, meaning, of course, men and women who can be mechanics. So they're masterful masters. Right. They they have it all. And they would just love to take super service care of you, taking care of your car, truck, motorcycle, vehicle, lawnmower, 
you name it, they'll fix it. Well, actually, I don't know if they do mowers, but it'd be an expense. It'd be cheaper. Just buy a new one. But in any event, master towing service, too. See, now here goes the master again. They're taking good care of stuff. And they have decades of damage-free experience, meaning they move vehicles around, chain them down, make sure that they don't move around on the flatbed, and they take them where they need to go. Of course, they got those great big uh, tow trucks, too. If you got a truck that's down over a big, fat embankment, they'll haul you right back up. And so that is an opportunity for you to be super served. Sunbury Motor Company, and that's just the service end. You should go see the new trucks they got lined up there along 4th Street, too. They look superb. So check them out, Sunbury Motor Company, sunburymotors.com. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Okay, okay, live telephone talk show on the mark. Uh, why don't you read a text? Okay, this one's to Dan. On the WKOK program, On the Mark, the Trump supporters call in every day, day after day. They manage to get their points in, real or imagined. My point, they count on this show, even if at times they make little or no sense. Signed, Dick. <laughs> that is certainly true. And then uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, or Joe, Marjorie Taylor Greene is speaking out on what the prisoners are telling her. Are you saying they're lying? No, but I'm saying Marjorie Taylor Greene is not the most stable person, in my opinion, and she may be... She's a little wound up. She may be taking okay. things a little more literal than she should. Okay. Anyhow, I still think if they if they were being that that mistreated, their families could certainly get a writ of habeas corpus and wind up having them in court to tell their story. Okay. That's my opinion. And then uh, OTM question, who was in charge of the government when all the racist highways were constructed? Which cities have the most racist roads? I don't know. Who launched the interstate system? Was that Eisenhower? Eisenhower, yes. Okay, so, but uh, he was out of office by the time it was under fully under construction. Right. John Kennedy was in office. Well, and I would have a, a, a sense that by the time it came down to local road construction, local control took over or helped to provide input as roads were designed. You know, I mean, it didn't, I mean, like, you know, the Washington Transportation, U.S. Transportation Department didn't design I-80. 11 and 15 divides the Shemokin Dam community rather thoroughly. In half, yeah, wealth on one side and And poor on the other. Well, no, that's not true. They're nice homes on both sides, well-maintained homes. Just checking. All right, and the ballots have dates and names. That's why they shouldn't be pre-counted. is one of our good listeners. Joseph is patiently waiting. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Yes, I wanted to comment on this so-called insurrection. Uh, <laughs> they're trying to blame Donald Trump for uh, inciting this riot. I think they're wrong. I think they got to look to history and say it was Thomas Jefferson. Uh, 
because he's the one that he's the prime author of the Declaration of Independence, correct? And they sent reparations to King George the Third, and that didn't work. So they took up arms and uh, in and abolished that government system, which he said we have the right to do. Now he said uh, it's a life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and that all men are created equal and that government is created to secure these rights to the people. And if it doesn't, that you alter that government or abolish it. And they took up arms and abolished it. Now, I ask you, (laughs) was that right? I mean, that's what they did. That's his historical fact, is it not? And so if you read history, I think these people that uh, so-called insurrection, they didn't even take up arms, none of them had arms, but they were even shot by a, a guard that, uh, you know, killed one of them and, and uh, uh, for no reason, really. But uh, I think it's a prelude to what's going to happen. I think you're going to see, uh, once these people understand that they have the right to overthrow this wicked government that we have, uh, they're going to take up arms and overthrow it. Now, I personally could not get involved in that because I'm a believer in you're the Messiah. I turned the other cheek right. love my enemies. But right. uh, they're, they're going to find out something down in Washington. All right, well, we got you. Thank you so much, Joseph. Since, well, all right. Well, I was going to say, as an ambassador from another kingdom, why do you even care? Oh. Just curious. No, yeah, please, sorry. Well, we'll get an answer to that question tomorrow. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening and calling in. Republican, Democrat, Independent, you name it, we appreciate all comers. Yes, indeed, we do. You're listening to News Radio 1070, WKOK Sunbury, WKOK News. Time it is 10 a.m. Time for the Dan Patrick Show.